Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Welcome into the Inside Carolina, sort of an emergency podcast. Uh, Chip Lindsey hired as North Carolina's offensive coordinator a little bit ago. Ross, I'll come straight at you. Uh, news a little bit out of left field, but Inside Carolina's been all over it. What's your take? Yeah, I mean, look, they got a quarterback's coach uh, with with some success as an offensive coordinator at various places. Uh, he's done most of his, his work in Alabama. I uh, went to North Alabama, uh, finished his degree at, at, at Alabama, and then ended up coaching places like Troy, Auburn, Southern Miss, Arizona State. He was a head coach at Troy, um, and then last year at UCF. Um, he's worked with Gus Malzahn a bunch, and at Troy, he worked with Todd Munkin, who's the offensive coordinator at Georgia. So those are the guys you kind of look to their offenses and see what they do. Um Todd Munkin and Gus Malzahn. Obviously, Gus Malzahn's a, a spread concept guy. So I don't know if this is a, a move to more of a spread thing, but at this point, you know, the air raid and the spread. I'm sure Jason will talk more about that. Um, but, you know, briefly here before we get to Jason here, he's molded two quarterbacks here in the NFL, Nick Mullins and Jarrett Stidham. I'm not sure if both are still in the NFL, but Jarrett Stidham, great success at Auburn. Nick Mullins at Troy. Um, Chip Lindsey was not successful as a head coach but has had success um, at various stops as an offensive coordinator. So, you know, check some boxes. Um, I'm not sure if it was the big splash hire that everybody wanted. I'm not sure if that was going to happen. Um, you know, we this name was not one of the guys that we were thinking about when um, when Randy Clements was hired. You know, we were thinking more of uh, Art Browse um, tree, and this guy comes from a, a completely different kind of group of people. So, I'll let uh, Doc take it from there, what kind of offense we can expect. But, um, you know, definitely a spread guy, um, but not necessarily known for the, the air raid as much. Jason, the uh, message boards have been interesting. Um, there are people in the chat asking you to save them from themselves. Uh, <laughs> oh, <geez>. sort, of <laughs> sort of break down uh, what you think. Yeah, and like we discussed before and discussed yesterday, um, not somebody really on the radar, but accomplishes a couple of things, I guess, for Matt Brown and his staff. Yeah, I, I think it's uh, – first of all, he's a guy that's had success as an offensive coordinator. That's the first thing you look at. You 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 don't want to hire somebody who hasn't had success. Uh, and there, there are a few things I like about this hire. One is that he's been – with Gus Malzahn at a, at a few different, at a couple of different stops now. And I think Gus is a really good offensive mind. And one of the things that I like about Gus is, and the Malzahn approach is that they, they run spread stuff. And I believe in spread formation stuff. And remember spread is not an offense spread has to do with formations, right? You spread the field by going with 11 personnel, you know, 10 personnel, that sort of thing. Um, so I, I believe in, in getting more skill talent on the field, spreading the field a little bit, that sort of thing, uh, at least a good amount of time. 
but one of the dangers of running spread stuff, and especially when you run spread and, and high tempo stuff in, in the way that you typically have to practice that, so you lose physicality. And we've talked about that on this podcast for a couple of years now. Uh, actually, I mean, going all the way back. I mean, this is since before Mac. Um, and the thing that, that Malzahn's been able to do over the years, and he was able to do it at, at Auburn, uh, was maintain physicality in the running game and maintain physicality as an offense while doing a lot of that stuff. Uh, I mean, got to remember Malzahn actually was able to go toe, toe to toe with, with Nick Saban with less talent at different points. Uh, and that's partly because they were able to match up to the physicality that Alabama brought. So that's a plus you're looking at a coach who, who runs spread stuff. So you, you, you know, he's going to fit your personnel who is going to bring some physicality there at the same point, a guy who's done well with quarterbacks. And and I think that was, if you're looking at this higher, the, the partnering of Randy Clements and, uh, and then Chip uh, coming in, those guys, you, basically what Mac wanted to do is to maintain, is, is to bring in a, uh, to stay with spread, to keep a guy that that really knows how to develop quarterbacks and can and runs a quarterback friendly offense, while emphasizing the spread running game. I think that's the obvious thing out of these two hires that he was trying to do. They're going to run the football out of the spread. I think Mac wants to be more balanced than they were this last year, uh, and he made two hires that are going to try to do that. And and if you watched UCF this year. Lindsay ran an offense where they, they couldn't throw the ball very well. And they still scored points because they ran the football. They ran the heck out of the football uh, with a running quarterback a, a lot. They had uh, John Reese Plumley as, as their quarterback, uh, as a primary quarterback, a good bit of the year. Uh, and they ran the football from the spread and were a very physical running team. Uh, I think a good game to go watch is actually the Louisville UCF game from earlier this year to get a get a sense of what he can do with limited personnel. I think it's a good overall hire. Is it a slam dunk home run hire? Probably not. But did he hire a good offensive coordinator who ticks the boxes that you need within the program? I think so. Yeah, and and you, the rushing offense, like you mentioned, Jason, uh, UCF was eighth in the nation in rushing offense in 2022. Uh, with 236 yards per game. Uh, I was just going through some of the numbers. I mean, this is how many points they scored at UCF this year. This is in, in individual games. 56, 14 in a loss to Louisville, 40, 27, 41, 70, 13 in a loss to East Carolina, 25, 35, 38, 14 in a loss to Navy, and 46. So he's regularly putting up, you know, 40 points, high 30s, um, at Louisville, and obviously in the losses they put up 13, 14, and fourteen. So, um, I mean, he can they can his offenses have scored, like you said, they can run the ball and check out passing offense here too. But um, yeah, I think it's accurate. Like not a slam dunk, but this, this guy was a good enough coordinator to be hired as a head coach. Yeah, did not have success as a head coach um, at Troy, but well liked and definitely of the um, Gus Malzahn Gus Malzahn tree and considered a very good developer of quarterbacks. That's what you want, right? You want someone who can recruit, develop, and get quarterbacks to the NFL. Um, and I think he checks that box. 
Yeah, and Drake May tweeted that he's excited to get mm-hmm. to work with Chip Lindsay and all that. Brandon Marcello, 24-7 college football um, guy, tweeted a little bit ago, Chip Lindsay did not call plays at UCF this season, so there's going – so going to North Carolina gives him an opportunity to have full control of the offense with one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Should be fascinating to watch. Yeah, another note, I was actually, I was actually messaging with Brandon Marcello earlier because I know he's a big Alabama guy. And um, Chip Lindsey called plays in 2017 when they won the SEC West. But Gus Malzahn took away those play calling duties in 2018. And then I'm not sure at, at Troy when he was the offense coordinator under Todd Munkin, whether or not he called plays there because Munkin's an offensive guy. So he's been at a lot of stops, but he's been the OC for offensive-minded coaches. Um, so you don't know how much control and play calling he's had all the stops there. I mean, it's odd that Malzahn would take the play calling duties away. I'm not sure what that really says. Um, obviously, Malzahn's been a big-time play caller, his, his major stops. But here at UNC, he'll, of course, have complete control of the offense. And I'm sure that's a big reason why he wanted this job, you know, he wanted to have his own offense and kind of get away from Malzahn, who was calling the plays um, at UCF last year. Yeah, I remember the discussions with with Gus taking over the the play calling those years. I was paying attention to that at the time, and and Gus felt like just in terms of the program culture and some of the things that he wanted to do, the DNA of the program, he felt like that was slipping away from him a little bit, and he wanted to get more hands on once again. And that happens with with coaches. It's not that Lindsey did a bad job. Uh, but Gus wanted to get more directly involved on that on that side of things, and that's and so he took that over. Um, but yeah, I, I, one of the things that's interesting you mentioned he's been under a lot of uh, a lot of different offensive minded head coaches. He he's a guy that doesn't have a single like here's the twenty two plays that he's going to run from these four formations. <laughs> that's this that's not his thing. Uh, he, he, he's a guy that's tried to marry a lot of stuff together in, uh, in one offensive package from the various people and different stops that he's been on. So I, this is one thing I'm actually really looking forward to getting to, uh, to, to go to clinic this year with them and, and sit down in the, in the film room with him to get a good sense of exactly how he's going to go about things. Cause he's got some philosophy on this. Uh, but I want to see sort of how he's marrying some of his last few stops together and how he's going to attack and and put some of these things together and what he's going to limit things to. I think the danger when you've got a guy who's been around a lot of stuff is that you could try to install, try to do too much. Uh, But again, with Malzahn, with some of these others, they've, they've got good systems. He's been under people who've had really good systems for installing a lot while keeping it simple. Uh, the, the biggest concern I have, to be honest, and, and this is shifting gears a little bit, is this is if you go back to Troy and you go back to uh, UCF this year, going back all the way to, you know, to 2019, the red zone touchdown percentage is is the thing that I'm looking at that I'm like, well, they're still going to have to really make sure they're focusing on red zone. Uh, because you look at 2019, Troy red zone touchdown percentage was uh, 49th at 63.64. Then in 2020, uh, they were 99th at 54.35 touchdown percentage. Then 2021, they were 73rd at 59%. And then this year, UCF was 103rd at 53% in terms of red zone percentage. So 
you know, this was a big complaint uh, about uh, about Phil Longo at different points in his career. And also, again, this year at North Carolina at times. So that's something that I think hopefully Randy Clements and, and, and the whole staff is able to uh, they're, they're able to come together to make sure that they that the red zone percentage, uh, the touchdown percentage in the red zone is higher than what Lindsay has, Lindsay affiliated offenses have had the last few years. But it was higher than 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 uh, than uh, a percent higher percentage than Longo this season, I believe. So you know, got that going hey, for him. Tommy. Let me read a quote real quick. I mean, bring yep. in Greg. Um, I found this quote from when he was offense coordinator at Auburn. Kind of fits what Jason said a little bit earlier. This is from Chip Lindsey while at Auburn. You build the team around your quarterback and your playmakers, and that's what we're trying to do here. If you know the places I've been, when I was at Troy, we were a certain way. When I was at Southern Miss. From the offense, we were a certain way. Arizona State, we were a little bit different than Southern Miss. It's all about the team you have. So molding, building your offense around what you have. Obviously, Drake May, playmakers, um, good running backs, good wide receivers. You know, he's gonna, he's not gonna try to fit a uh, you know square peg into a circle hole. So um, that was an interesting quote there. Yeah, yeah Tommy. absolutely. And 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 I misquoted one uh, UCF this year. Sorry, I re- misread that. That was 67th in touchdown percentage this year at 61.9. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, uh, I make I want to make sure we got that right. So uh, 67th in touchdown percentage from red, from UCF. red zone offense. Red zone offense. UCF was 105, like you said. North Carolina 106. Yeah, but I, I don't. I'm, I'm actually. I don't look at red zone overall percentage. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I look at touchdown percentage because that's the one that really matters in the red zone. Because uh, the other is impacted a lot by by kicking game and all that. That's not offensive coordinator as much. North Carolina in touchdown percentage was 63 percent at 58th in the country, and UCF was 67th at 61 percent. So basically, same same ballpark. I uh, I pulled Greg Barnes off the golf course. Well, luckily it's raining today in North Carolina, so not on the golf course. Greg, what's happening? Get on in. Share your thoughts. You you sent me a couple things, and we've hit on them a little bit. Yeah, I think Jason hit on hit on a lot of it. Um, one thing I want to ask Jason before I dive in is Gus Malzahn's kind of had the reputation for a long time as as being uh, overly simple. Right. I mean, the, and granted, Cam Newton's a unique case, but kind of the word on Cam Newton when he was at Auburn was Gus gave him basically two reads. And if the first read wasn't there, then then he needed to take off and run. <laughs> um, is, is is he more is Malzahn's style more simple than than what like Phil wanted to do and even Fedora? I don't think it's simpler than Phil's. Um, I think it's probably in the same overall sort of area of simplicity as as larry's um malzahn does so what with with phil phil only ran what 22 plays something like that um and it was just a matter of changing some formation and adding some motion to some stuff and and uh and then you know a lot of rpo type stuff along with that but you know phil was phil the air raid the whole the whole thing about the air raid. I mean, what makes the air raid the air raid is you have a set of air raid pass concepts that, as a rule, air raid coaches say we can install our entire offense in one or two days. You know, three is the max. You install the entire offense in three days, and then you start over. 
and you install it again and then you start over again and by the end of camp you've installed multiple times and everybody's run through it a thousand times and you know you you can't get it wrong and so you've repped it so many times that it's it's simple uh so that that's that's the air raid is to try to keep things simple by running a very limited set of plays you can add a couple things during season for wrinkles and all of that but the basic idea is you know you only need one tool to do one job. So here are the tools that fit together and there you go. Uh, you're you're going to keep that simple. Malzahn is more complex in the running game typically than what you're going to get. Uh, Malzahn runs a lot of different stuff up front. Uh, and so offensive line type stuff, there's more complexity there. Uh, but he does try to, to make things simple for the quarterback while maximizing how difficult it looks for the defense so it's it's a sort of a, a little bit of an in-between but uh and i think Lindsay, you know he's coming from a lot of different backgrounds here i mean going all the way back to like the tony franklin system which he studied heavily early in his coaching career uh and has incorporated some of that as well you're you're looking at a lot of different things kind of coming together and and so what he's what just sort of my read on him is he's a guy that may come in with a bigger playbook, but will only potentially install and run the parts of it that he think fit he thinks fits with his personnel that given year. Uh, but he is going to try to keep things simple in how he teaches them to the quarterback. Yeah. So Tommy, a, a few quick things and I'll, I'll get out of your hair. Um, Man, Matt came in, <laughs> Matt came in and said he wanted to do what Lincoln Riley was doing at Oklahoma. That's what he taught us. So he went out and he tried to get Graham Harrell. He tried to get Cliff Clinton Kingsbury. He got Phil Longo. And Phil Longo, for the most part, did what Lincoln Riley does, maybe to a little bit lesser degree. Uh, but when you look at what Phil Longo has done, he's been a power five offensive coordinator for six years. Uh, he's had a basically a top 25 offense uh, the past five years. And his first year at Ole Miss in 2017, they were ranked 40th in FEI, which is per possession scoring advantage. Last five years, 21, 22, 7, 27, 16. That's really good. So when Longo decides to move on to Wisconsin, Max left with this decision, okay, is there anything that I want to change? And if not, can I get somebody who can do pretty much the exact same thing that Phil did? Uh, you're, you've already lost Phil. You're not getting Lincoln Riley. You're not getting Garrett Riley. Um, wh what really are your options? Uh, and you know, Graham Harrell was somebody that Mac looked at in 2019. Harrell's really had a ton of success since. So I think this is really an opportunity to Mac to take a step back and say, okay, what are our options? Um, and as, as you guys have already talked about, you one thing that Chip does is he brings some some variety. And then when you fa act, factor in the, the point that uh, Randy Clements comes from the Art Bryles tree, and the guys on staff now, and Lily and Porter and Galloway, know exactly about the air raid because they've been running for four years. And then you bring in Chip, who has a lot of the Gus Malzahn components. Well, now you've got a lot of different things that you can tinker with. And you can say, okay, we liked what we had. How do we make it better? Um, so from that standpoint, 
I think it's an interesting hire. I know it's not the home run hire that a lot of people were hoping for, but I, I, I think the offensive line coach and the OC hire are both very unique in that it gives you a lot of options. Um, we know that Drake May is only going to be here probably for one more year, and then he'll be a top 10 pick and move on. Um, so, I, yeah, when you start talking about, well, he's going to adapt the, the scheme to the personnel, that's a lot easier said than done with basketball than it is football because you really have to re- recruit to a scheme. Um, offense is a little bit easier, especially when you have a good quarterback. But I, I think you have a lot of options here. The, some of the things that I think you kind of have to be careful about, and, and Jason stole my thunder a little bit with what he just picked up. Um, if the complaint about Longo has been red zone touchdown percentage, um, Chips has been really up and down. I mean, he's got two over he's, – he's been a coordinator of some fashion for nine years. Um, two of those years has been north of 110 in red zone touchdown percentage. Uh, and then he's got a lot, you know, 33, 34, 41, uh, he did 85. Have 20, he had 22 the one year. It was uh, 2016 at Arizona State. Correct. Um, and then you start looking at offensive FEI, which, as I said, is, is uh, per possession scoring advantage. I'll just go down the list, starting in 2014 at Southern Miss. 105, 30, 79, 15, 26, both those at Auburn. Uh, 47, 71, 116, and then 27 this past year at UCF. Uh, and, and Brandon Marcellos tweeted out that that Chip wasn't calling plays for UCF last year. Uh, so, you know, it's not a it's not a resume that stacks up very favorably to Phil Longo in terms of production. Um, there but, aren't many of those, though. <laughs> exactly, and that's the thing that people have to understand is. Um, he's going to bring some creativity a little bit different than what Phil Longo wanted to do. So while the offense may not be as explosive, that doesn't mean it can't be near as good, especially with what's expected to be a lot of guys coming back next year, even though you do miss Antoine Green and and Josh Downs. So um, I'm not sure I I know quite yet. I'm going to have to spend some time researching to say exactly how I feel about the hire. Uh, But I think it's an interesting one. I think it's unique. I think there's a lot of opportunity here uh, and it'll be fun to kind of watch them put together a scheme in the spring and in training camp and see how it plays out next fall. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I love when folks are getting worked up um, about the hire and I'm not speaking to anybody in particular, uh, myself included, you get worked up about a hire and think negatively of a hire when you really have no idea who they just hired. And so that's, that's the goal of this short podcast and the goal of Ross and Adam and Jason and Greg over the next few weeks, days and weeks to introduce Carolina fans to Chip Lindsay. This is Inside Carolina Special Podcast, Emergency Podcast, whatever you want to call it. Uh, shout out to the almost 700 folks here on a noon, on a Thursday at noon. I don't know what y'all do for a living, but make sure your bosses aren't paying attention, but appreciate you joining us in Johnny T-shirt. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Ross, what you got? Well, I was just going to say about the um, 
the additions to the staff, not additions to the staff, but um, Lonnie Galloway was made, was named passing game coordinator, some new titles here. And John Lilly was made uh run game coordinator to go along with Randy Clements, who's office line coach and Larry Porter, who is running backs coach and the special teams coordinator. So some new um, additions, uh, new titles to the staff there for y'all's information. Um you know, it'll be interesting to see, I guess, from a recruiting, uh, recruiting perspective here, it'll be interesting to see what kind of offers go out at quarterback now because, you know, you kind of lose those connections that Phil Longo had at quarterback um, who, who he was in with for the 2024-2025 staff. So pay attention to what offers go out in the next couple weeks, you know, after the 2023 class gets wrapped up. That'll be interesting to see which quarterbacks um, Chip Lindsey goes after. That kind of tells you the trend of – how he is a recruiter, what areas he's going to recruit, and which quarterbacks stand out to him. So that's one thing to keep an eye on. Yeah, one one thing that's interesting, and Greg and Jason, y'all can take this one. I mean, I'll, I'll go to you, Greg, since you brought it to me in the Slack earlier. The up and down aspect of his production in various facets um, as he was offensive coordinator. I mean, it all depends on talent, right? I would love to compare – when he was really good with what he had on the roster versus when they were, they struggled. I know they've had some quarterback issues and injuries and all at some places, but Greg, I mean, scheme can do, but so much uh, talent matters as well at North Carolina, especially this year, he's going to have one of the best in the nation. Yeah, for sure. And that, that bodes well when you look back at what happened at, at Auburn back in 17 and 18, uh, those were two top 25 offenses, most comparable to, the Carolina teams of the last couple of years. I think one thing that's a little bit concerning given you know, his, his stated idea of you know, working your scheme around personnel is look what happened at Troy. Uh, first year at Troy, I mean, that was the top 50 offense across the board. And then the next year it was fringe top 75. And then his third year, it was 116th in FEI. Um, so if, if he saw a significant – talent reduction and that led to the scheme struggling uh that doesn't give you a lot of a lot of hope right um but yeah he, he's gonna have all the talent that he wants i mean this is not georgia ohio state alabama talent but as we know from the, the composite carolina signed three top 15 classes in a row probably going to sign a top 25 class next week um, and this is top 25 talent nationwide and uh, when you add in Drake May, who's arguably the best quarterback in the country coming back next year, um, there's not going to be many complaints, Tommy, in terms of does he have the uh, Jimmys and Joes. Yeah, Jason, your take on that aspect of it. They, they, and, I, and as Greg was talking, I was thinking there is no excuse. I said it last year, I think. There's, no, there's enough talent. That means no excuses. Lindsay will need to produce right out the gate, right? Yeah, and not just produce. He's going to need to produce close to what – you saw this year from, from Phil Longo through the first 10 weeks. You know, if you get anything close to the last three weeks, then uh, people will be calling for his head within the first month. But, uh, no, I think, I think when you've got Drake May at quarterback, when you've got the talent that they've got coming back at running back, when you've got your entire offensive line coming back and you've got a set of wide receivers that looked pretty good when Josh Downs and Antoine Green were out, looked like they have some talent. They're, they're pieces to work with there. I do think they, you know, they would do well to add maybe one more sort of game-breaking type piece for the passing game in, in the transfer portal if they can get him. 
but otherwise, I mean, there, there's a lot of pieces to work with on this offense. I, I, my guess is just in terms of overall talent from quarterback to running back to tight end to wide receiver, there are fewer than 10 programs in the country. And the, the number might be closer to five that would not trade with North Carolina. My guess is that it's probably around five programs in the country that would say, no, no, we're all right. We, 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 we'll, we'll, we'll keep what we've got. I think basically the other 120 some teams in the country would trade gladly with North Carolina in terms of personnel. Yeah. I mean, you return all three tight ends, uh, Kamar Morales, John Copenhaver, Bryson Nesbitt, you return um, JJ Jones, uh, Kobe Pesor. Um, they like Andre Green Jr. He's going to be other a freshman, stud. Other freshman running uh, wide receivers uh, escaping me. They could, I think they could, Blackwell. like you said, yeah, Blackwell, um, two-time Blackwell. And then um, I think it could benefit from adding, yeah, a stud wide receiver comes in, a playmaker, instant playmaker. I think there's an opportunity there. But if they like Andre Green, it's just surprising how much how little Andre Green played this year. He was playing behind a lot of people. But um, I tried warning people before the year. Yeah. You expect a ton from a five-star wide receiver freshman. You always expect that second year. Yeah, so he's gonna have a. You expect him to have a breakout year. I know he had some uh, injury issues, and then offensive line. I mean, they could return all five. Um, you know, Awesome Richards is checking out the his NFL stock. I would think he comes back. Um, William Barnes, Ed Montillas are seniors, but I would imagine they would come back. Um, there's been no indication of the otherwise. And then Corey Gaynor has he hasn't made this decision yet, but he has an opportunity to apply for a waiver which could bring him back for a sixth year because I think he had he only played three games one year at Miami, um, two or three games one year in Miami. So if he applies, all usually that stuff gets um, passed through. And so he could return. That'd be huge. Otherwise, they'll be working a, a, a new center because um, they do lose Brian Anderson. So uh, Ross, and then do, you you know if, do you know if he has filed for the waiver yet? So, yeah, but checking on this. He, I think it's going to happen after the bowl game. Um, yeah. He uh, it's gonna make a decision on that because I mean he got a, ch- have a chance to to go to the NFL as well. And then Spencer Rowland has a second year at UNC because the Harvard didn't play in 2020, so he has an extra season there. But you gotta think Zach Rice can step in or or, or Caden Baker, or they might be able to do a little bit better at right tackle than Spencer Rowland. All due respect. Well, um, Roland, I mean, look, Roland has gotten dragged by people, and I don't understand why, because he actually played pretty well in the year. I mean, what was his final PFF grade? I mean, you have to take those with a grain of salt, but they that one basically matched my eye. It was like 64, which is, if I remember right, somewhere in there, which is, you know, replacement level or above. I mean, that's that's basically ACC level offensive tackle. That's pretty good. The, Do we? They think liked that- him, but the eye test – Jason, I mean, he got blown by on like back to like in every game. It seemed in the last last stretch there, it just seemed like he was getting blown by for sacks multiple times a game. This some test. of those yeah, were not I mean, on him. Uh, a couple of them were, and you know he was going up against pretty good players in those ga- in those games too. I mean, you're looking at the when you get blown by by the by a guy who's the number one defensive end going into the into the uh, NFL draft. <sighs> It's going to happen to most most offensive linemen once or twice a game against that guy. So yeah, you give that. Right. But yeah, ideally, Zach Rice takes one of those spots and then you have a really good – like if, if Zach Rice takes one of the offensive tackle spots, which you hope he does, 
then you have a really good swing position and you can start to uh, swing swing player who can be a, a, a really good sub. Uh, and ideally they're, you know, eight or nine guys that they can trust going into next year on the offensive line, which is, you know, where you, where you want to be. Yeah. And they could also play rice at guard. Um, I mean, we could be there for Montello or something like that. We didn't mention running backs. They return everybody at running back and are likely going to add one in, in the 2023 class too. So you get Brush, Brooks back. Petaway's back. Uh, Elijah Green, Caleb Hood is coming off injury. Who knows his status? And then DJ Jones expected back. Um, and Amar in Hampton. So you have a, a very full running back Stack. room. So yeah, they're they're good on offense, man. They, all they lose is Josh Downs and Antoine Green. Um, that's the, the, the major losses. The offensive line, if Gaynor decides to come back, uh, I mean, it's going to be like a a Wake Forest offensive line. I mean, all those guys are already like grad students. <laughs> they got gray haired and a beard and stuff. Yeah, you got you know three year starters in the NFL that are younger than some of the guys that would yeah. be on that on that offensive line. Yeah, well it's over also, uh, well over a hundred career starts already for that group. Yeah, the experience, the chemistry. I mean, they played those five. I mean, it was those five the whole year. Rare, I think uh, Roland was injured at one point, but that was it. I mean, you PFF snap counts. It was always those five. Um, and it'd be a new offensive line coach. Who knows? You may, you may, people may get other chances. Uh, things may be switched up. You never know what happens when you get a new voice in there, a new coach. So that'll be interesting to track as well. Jason, you mentioned some of the NFL guys being younger. Uh, the funniest thing I saw, I guess, during the SEC championship game is that Stetson Bennett is the same age as Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. And Hooker is older than both of them. Hendon Hooker is older than both of them. I mean, that's. <laughs> it's just unbelievable the difference in what COVID years have done and all that kind of stuff. Anything left, boys? This has been a a a heck of a show with a ton of people in here listening and watching. Big news for North Carolina. Anything left, Ross? Anything to expect, or should it quieten down and and as prepped for the bowl game? Get more. Yeah, it'd be interesting when we get to speak with the coordinator and the offensive line coach with with Lindsey and Clements. Uh, we have not spoken to Mac, um, about the bowl game either. So, you know, there's a lot of questions for, for coach Brown. I imagine there'll be something set up. I mean, national signing days on Wednesday, but you know, if it's a national signing day press conference, you usually don't involve questions about offensive hires. So I don't know how they're going to balance that because there needs to be a press conference for the hires, a press conference for the bowl game and national signing day all in about 10 days here. Yep, a lot of stuff. Greg Barnes, Jason Staples, appreciate you joining us. Ross Martin is all. Shout out to Adam Smith. He has been uh, working his butt off here. Inside Carolina is kind of like the duck on the water. It looks smooth on the surface, but the feet are flapping under the waters, bringing you all this content. Uh, we will be back if we need to. Otherwise, we will talk to you guys um, at some point on a regular scheduled podcast. Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. Thanks, fellas. There is no off-season. There is not. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.